What's up? We're live. We're live. What's up, guys? John Sintez here, Cutter Nation podcast number 35. Got an awesome guy on here, but first, you know what? Go over to my online store, check out my awesome gear. Love these tri-blend tees. They're probably my favorite. I wear it every day. Probably need to get a new one. This one's probably worn out. Uh, got some hats coming in soon. Got some new patches and some things I'm working on. Also, don't forget to go check out Body Armor. They got their Focus Fix, which is a great little thing for you anytime you're feeling a little bit sluggish or anything, but it's sugar-free, gluten-free, no artificial flavors. I love this for just to drop into some water, as well as their Omega-3s with their brain food is what they call it, which is to help you focus, recover a little bit better. And then also, we got canned nutrition with some awesome protein over here. I love this stuff because of this little secret right here. It's got MCT oil and zero sugar. So those are huge for your development, everything you're trying to do there. They also make what's called a clean creatine, which I'm a big fan of also. So go check them out. Um, I got a discount code. I think it's Jason says, but I'll put it on the link in the description of this from here. Uh, without further ado, we have Matt. All right. Rasig Rasignal. Pretty good. I, That's I struggled it. Rasig terribly, but oh, hold on one second. I got you muted. One second. One more time. You there? Yep. All right, there we go. Matt, Ra what's up, man? Let's correct me one more time. Get me going right. Matt Rosignol. Rosignol. I was close. I was very yeah, close. I, no, that was pretty good. It's pretty yeah, good. Yeah, right on. So, uh, Matt, let's find out a little about you. Where are you from? Where are you at now? And what you doing? I'm originally from Southern California, Thousand Oaks, California, to be exact. And then uh, about ten year, about twelve years ago, I moved up to the Bay Area, and right now I'm currently in Scotts Valley, California, and uh, it's right, it's right in between Santa Cruz and San Jose, to be exact. Right on, right on. Is it cold up there right now? Uh, a lot colder than it's usually. Uh, this morning, I think it was like 30, 32 something degrees, but uh, the sun's coming out right now, so at least it's starting to yeah to break to break. Ooh, this morning it was like. 41 this morning here so yeah. what's up what's up january san diego let's let's uh figure it out huh that's that's not normal for you guys man no it's no supposed to be the the, the yeah i, place I haven't world. been here that long so it's definitely like all right this is back in florida where i'm from i'm totally used to this but it's at that time it's more like humid and windy and everything so it's very it's not very fun to be in florida right now where i'm from <laughs> so all right so uh all right uh, Thousand Oaks. Now you're in the north, so you 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 run uh, Rossi Training, correct? Rossi's Training. That's correct. Yeah, yeah. So uh, tell us a little bit about your program and uh, what you're trying to accomplish up there. Um, uh, my well, I got into it to work with. Started with working with high school athletes, and uh, when I was when I got done playing, I wanted to give athletes a avenue to learn to properly train and uh, kind of give them the tools to help them improve their 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 game on the field and so uh open rosie's training started out of a little out of a garage and then about two and a half years ago i moved into my own facility and now currently looking to expand into a facility that has uh more a base well, bringing some tunnels some uh mounds and kind of blend the two yeah really really just trying to cross over that's kind of what i what my goal was when I, the place that I was at before, I saw the vision of what I was trying to do. And I just realized that where I was at was not the environment that I wanted to be. I didn't really want to be at a baseball facility with tunnels and stuff like you were talking about. I wanted to be more in a gym 
that I could modify for more of a pitching style thing. So there wasn't, you know, really just working on throwing and pitching and stuff like that. There could be a plan in the future, kind of like you trying to expand to get to tunnels and stuff. But as of right now, that's just not the exact thing I'm trying to do because I just feel like, like you're saying, and we were talking about a little bit off air, is I just, I feel like the way that we're training kids to get better at throwing and baseball, and it's such a major part of the game, but I just don't feel like a lot of teams and coaches respect throwing enough, you know? Absolutely. Uh, I think the biggest thing I learned at the end of my, when I was done playing, and then the more and more now is, how much the gym and how much movement transfers over to how we throw. And so how much they're able to blend together. And if we learn how to move right, we can learn how to throw right and just move overall on the field just that much better. Yeah, I totally agree. So uh, let's go over your playing career. Cause like I said, I, I like to go in cold, not knowing too much about you, but where did you play and, and you know, how, what about your, let's start in maybe high school and see how you're doing. Yeah. So I started at thousand Oaks high school. Uh, I was there for three years, and then uh, my senior year, I actually moved up to Pleasanton, up here in the Bay Area, uh, and I finished out here. I went up, I went back to Southern California for a year of junior college, and uh, just didn't really like it. And I, one of the schools that, one of the junior colleges that had recruited me when I was uh, in the Bay Area, my senior year, I went back there for a year, Chabot, Chabot Junior College, and uh, that was really good experience learned a lot really taught me a lot about the game and just how to approach the game um, and then I went to Bethany University for my last two years and then after that I went and played independent ball for three years and then that was you, that where'd you play indie ball I started in St. George uh, St. George Utah uh, about halfway through the year the our team ran out of money, so we shut down. And then I finished up that season in uh, Washington Wildcats in the Frontier League. And then the next year, I went to uh, Sioux City, Iowa. Started with an American Association, and finished that year in Roswell with the Roswell Invaders of the Pecos League. And then the last year, I was in uh, Arizona. Sorry about that. My mother-in-law needs my keys. One sec. Give me one second. Okay? No problem. Good. Good. <laughs> Small break. Sorry about that. Sorry no about worries. that. Anyway, yeah. I so what was the Utah League? What was the name of that league? Uh, that was the oh man. Uh, was it the Western League? Yeah, that's what I think that's what it sounds about. Like I, West, I hear I, the Western League or the Golden League or something. Golden like that. League. The Golden League. Yeah, that's Golden what I, I heard of that too. So how old are you? Thirty one. Thirty okay, so I'm thirty two. So we were right around the same yeah. era in that time frame right there. Where did you play? So I started so my senior year in college, I broke my elbow and missed three years um with two surgeries, got all the way back and then um went to one of those cattle call tryouts and then made the uh, spring training invite with, hold on, um, it was in Cleveland, uh, Lake Erie. I was in Lake yeah. Erie, made it all the way to the last day, did really well, didn't didn't give up a run, struck out one guy in inning, like did my job, and they just went, well, we got some guys returning, and we are your rookie, so we have no idea. So they just basically let me go, and then like four hours later called me and were like, hey, we actually traded you – or put you on waivers to the Pecos League. 
So I spent two years in the Pecos League, and it was – I knew what I was going into before. I was lucky enough to, like, do as much research as I could, and I found this um, I found this blog forum. I don't know if, if you've ever heard of it, but this girl runs it. She's awesome. It's called Indie Ball Island. And oh man, I, I got to get her on here just because she just tells all the stories that like the players don't. It's like having a source to like get bad information out without <laughs> anybody like getting in trouble, you know. And um, she wrote a bunch of blogs about the Pecos League and basically told it exactly for it was where it was. Hey, you can get out of here, but you're going to make this much money a month and it's not good but you just got to understand it. And that's the way I looked at it. I was like, well, you know, if, if I'm ever going to get a real shot, I got to play somewhere. You have to do something. You can't just sit at home. Yeah. So I just took the sacrifice and went there and played two seasons. And then I got lucky and met a guy and he introduced me to go play in Mexico because he thought I was decent enough to give it a shot. So uh, who did you play for in the Pegos League? Cause I was there for half a season. So I was with uh, white sands for a year. Okay. And then, and well, for half a year, and then I got traded to Santa Fe. Okay, yeah, so I was with Roswell for half the season. Okay, what year was that? Uh, nine, ten. I would say 11. So was that, was that the first year or second year of the Pecos League? I think it was the second year. I think it was, so I think I was... I, we had to play against each other then because I think I was with White Sands and I know I pitched against Ros I pitched against Roswell at Roswell. I remember okay. that. that. That was trippy altogether, you know. I think uh, who is your coach? The uh, Johnson or whatever Kevin. I think it was Kevin Johnson or something like that. Oh yeah. The young dude. The young dude with the mullet. Yeah, I think I think I know. Yeah. That's funny. Uh, Weird. Yeah. Of course, we crossed paths. Weird. Yeah. You know? Exactly. Yeah, baseball, that's baseball, baseball is like that. Yeah, exactly. So same league. So you know the struggle. I know the struggle. That's what it is. And I, so let me ask you this. I think because of my experiences and how I like because it was so bad and I started analyzing what could be better about this on all aspects and how could I learn from it. I really took that into telling the stories and the training side of stuff on how guys continue to get better. Is there anything that you took from your indie ball experience or your pro experience that you that you transfer and try to help your kids understand? Yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, not just I mean the whole play, my whole playing experience. Like I was telling my guys uh, yesterday, we were out throwing, and at the end of it, we were talking and just sitting around talking for a little bit. And I was like, a lot of the stuff I tell you guys to do, I work on or preach about, is stuff that either I wish I would have known or from mistakes that I've I've learned from myself and so I don't just like say this stuff for no reason it all has it has a purpose and some of the stuff that I harp on that probably sounds like little things are because it's from either mistakes that I've made or things that I've I've learned from my experiences yeah I agree I agree I mean it's you know I I honestly think anybody can throw 90 miles an hour it's not if it's when if you understand right. you know I, I don't know if you follow Dr. Heenan but yeah. You know, a lot of people are up in arms about his 90 mile per hour formula. And I think the thing that people get confused about, and I want to know your opinion, is the word formula. Because it sounds like if you do this, like almost like a recipe, do these right. things and you'll throw 90 or 95 or whatever. But 
you know, I, I think that if he were to maybe rename it to not formula or something else that meant like test or something from there, like it, it's just a way if you can test yourself, if you can do those things, those metrics that he wants, then in theory, you should be able to throw 90. Uh -huh. So I put myself through it even, you know, I pulled down 93, 92, still, you know, actually Monday I did. Um, but it, it's it's how I kind of do it. Because I'm still active throwing, I'm not sure if you are, but it makes it easier for me to communicate the feeling to the kids on what we're trying to do. Is, right. that, a, is that a style, you know, can you talk about a little bit Keenan and your process with that stuff? Too? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think, I think uh, Dr. Heenan's formula, I mean, it gives you simple – instructions of what to follow and what to work for work towards if you get towards these goals then you're going to put yourself in a position to throw 90 i think i mean i think people get all caught up in oh it's 400 pounds or one and a half point times uh your body weight in the reverse lunge and they think it's so far away and so they kind of like oh this formula is too much or this or that but Really, it's something for you to work towards, and if you hit this, then you're going to put yourself in a position to throw 90. Uh, I I really do like the formula. I've talked to Josh a couple, Dr. Heenan a couple times, and I, he's really smart dude. So I definitely believe in in the formula, and I think it gives you guidelines. And I think anytime you give athletes something to work towards, it gives them direction, and that's gonna then they just got to follow the steps and work towards it if they're willing to. Yeah, I agree. I agree. He's, you know, that I think that piece of information was so vital in the process of the, you know, the baseball player who's just kind of on his own, you know, right. me coming from a small town. I don't really know Thousand Oaks, California very well, but, um, you know, I, I had nobody that, you know, I think there might have been one pitching coach guy. But from what I had heard from other people, you know, you just kind of went through bullpens and even me at a young age, I was kind of like, well, I can do that on my own. Like, what's he going to help me with, yeah. you know? And I'm sure he would have probably educated me and stuff from there. But, you know, I, I just didn't – the people that were telling me about private instruction and all that were telling me it was a waste of time and this and that. And it's kind of ironic now that I am in the field and I and I – on the flip side of it, and you're like, well, extra work's extra work. Like, yeah. you got to do whatever you can to get as best as you can, you know? Absolutely. Uh I think, yeah, I think like kind of what you're talking about is stuff you see. And I, I don't know if you've seen some of the stuff that he's posted recently about guys who've kind of just taken the formula on their own, no instruction, and they've gone out and seen the improvements. It, uh, And that's, at the end of the day, I think that's what it is, is a lot of these, if you can give all the kids uh, the direction or the plan, it's whether they're willing to actually go and, and go after it because – they might see a 400 pound deadlift and think, wow, that's, that's a, that's a pretty tough task where 300 plus yard, uh, long cost. But if they work towards it, build up and just keep trying to make little increments every day, they're going to put their, it's actually possible. And it's something that should be obtainable. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I think, um, you know, it's, it's what you put into it. You know, a lot of people, you know, I think that's why the style of gym that I'm at and stuff like that, I, it really changed the game on what I'm trying to do because, you know, and, and I want to know your opinion on this because there's a big debate right now in year-round throwing or not year-round throwing. You know, a lot of people, you know, a lot of these people that are probably much smarter than me think that you should 
have a down period where you're able to build and have a phase of building and, and working and, and trying to get the muscles as strong as possible as you can. And then you go back and revamp the arm and continue to go from there. What do you feel like your way of, of going about it is, is do you feel that, you know, are you a year round or are you a partial year round guy? Um, the more I learn, the more I think that there should be some type of down period. And I've seen, a, I've seen, some of my guys have really good success with taking a, taking a little time off, building their arm back up, kind of get their body moving and their shoulder moving properly again. And when they come back, uh, everything seems to clean up. Their body starts moving better, and they're not compensated from when their arm's tired and beat down throughout a, uh, a long, long season. One of the things I wish I did is took a little bit of – at least some time off um, – Especially when I was in indie ball uh, and trying to, like, everything to me was, how am I going to get picked up? How am I going to get picked up? How am I going to get picked up? And so I just never stopped throwing. I was throwing, throwing, throwing year-round. And uh, I know it wasn't so much that I got hurt, but just my arm just just had nothing left in the tank um, come when, when I needed it, basically, in the games. So I think – having a time where you can build up, get stronger, kind of that's where your focus is, is going to be huge for you in the long run and, and help you uh, help your arm kind of put in a better position when it's, when you need it. Yeah. I, I, okay. So let's go further into that because that's an interesting thing that you're saying that, um, you know, even yourself, you were trying to do everything you can. So, can we go into what you were doing throwing? Do you remember that process? Like when you say throwing, for the yeah. average person, they might think it's just throwing here. Do you mean like that you were throwing pens, that you were long tossing? Like, give it, can you give it, can you go in yeah. a little more in depth into what that is? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I would say, so let's say independent ball, just in terms of that, uh, but usually done September ish, I would say, beginning of September. And so, I mean, from there, I'd maybe take one or two weeks off, and I was back long tossing after that. And then from there, I remember October, November, and I was, I was still throwing pens. Um, and one year, one of the times I did throw for some scouts in the offseason was in uh, October, October, November, so I had to stay in shape to do that. Um, but I will say after – I think it was my – and this kind of is a little bit different, but uh, at the end of, I think my first year, just all, it was a combination of things, but over innings and just getting weak. Uh, I mean, I had like a, I would say like an eight, eight to 10 mile an hour drop off on velo by the time the season was over. Wow. Really? That's crazy. So what was your, uh, what was your velo? Uh, like what, what was your peak velo at? My best velo was 93. Um, and then I, I sat probably eighty nine to ninety one, and that's that's where I was for the most part. Um, but I mean, then when it comes to uh, like body weight and uh, a lot of the things that we've learned now about like long distance running and stuff like that, it kind of hit me dead on after my or my my uh, rookie seasons. Uh, I was in use in uh st george utah where it was like 115 every day Ooh. and uh just it was basically just like arizona when i played in arizona it was no worse but 
uh, yeah, it was, you know, long, long distance running, uh, just all, all that stuff, not, not eating enough food. And I lost, I think I, at the end of the season, uh, my wife made me jump on the scale and I was like, I didn't want to, but she's like, you just got to do it. You look, she basically told me I looked horrible and was too skinny. And, uh, I had lost 20, I think 22 pounds throughout that season. Uh, and that was part of the reason I had such a huge drop in Vila. Yeah. I started, I was like, I finished at like 82, 83. And I remember like thinking, something's wrong with these guns like these radar guns are not and then it's kind of now like going back over it and whatnot i mean it, it makes sense yeah that's funny yeah i was uh um i was a little bit of a long distance runner too for a little bit and then you know the more you run you're just like running sucks just, yeah. just terrible yeah. and and that was one of the things you know revamping my whole training situation you know I was fortunate enough to really, when I was rehabbing, um, one of the times I was able to talk to um, one of the guys at API, which is a, a advanced performance institute yeah. over in Pensacola, and where I'm from over there. And they were just talking about just try to become as strong as you possibly can. And that was one of the recommendations they gave to me. And I really tried to embrace that situation. I got up to 96 um, post Pecos League, you know, just kept going. And yeah. so my, my debate that I'm having personally right now is, you know, after the Pecos League and getting into Mexico, I played for four years um, straight, summer, winter, summer, winter, summer, winter, with only like six weeks off in between. And contrary to the American style of what's going on with, with training in baseball, right. I was exposed to a much more Latin style of, you know, I played with, in my career playing down in Mexico, I played with five guys, Venezuelan or Dominican, that threw 100 miles an hour. And so I was very fortunate enough to kind of learn from them, watch what they do, watch their process. And the more and more I watch these dudes, the more and more I realize that their idea of strength and conditioning to ours is not even close. Like right. it's nowhere even close. And they love to throw a lot. And, you know, the, their concept of building up before the season is just so much better and different than I think the way we do it. And then you even hear about spring training now, you know, spring training for a lot of minor league guys, you got to show up ready to go if you're going to win a job. Right. So, you know, the debate and the things that I'm starting to ask people about about those same things are that is because things like that happen where just like you, you know, us being indie ball guys and trying to get in, you got to be ready tomorrow. Doesn't yeah. matter if it's yeah. October, January, April, June, it doesn't matter. So that readiness really changed my mindset on what I was trying to do. So I'm always constantly debating. So if we take what you were saying about your process and your career, you, you know, you lost 20 pounds, you lost velo, um, you're throwing regiments and the stuff that you were doing in order to, to try to continue to what I call build. Do you feel like that you were doing building or were you just pitching? Cause that's where I think I like to debate in what I was doing because I was doing a lot of what I considered building a lot of shuffle fires, a lot of running guns, a lot of long toss, and then not so much mound work. You know what I mean? What was your philosophy and style in that in that time frame? Absolutely. Uh, I think, well, two parts. I'll first answer mine, and then I think, and then I have another thing to what you were saying about uh, when you were playing. But uh, I was definitely just doing more. It was no building. It was just pitching, pitching, pitching. Uh, and a lot of it is I just didn't know. 
Um, and I wish I wish I knew now, or w- wish I knew knew then what I know now. Uh, it wasn't till after my, I think my second year, uh, I got I started training remotely with uh, Eric Cressy. I'm sure you know, and uh, and I, he had some weighted ball stuff in there for me, and some other stuff to help kind of build do that building. But then by then I was already kind of had. I mean, I was already 25 and, you know, I, I just, I wasn't, I was a little late to that party, I guess, uh, basically, um, basically what, so after this is kind of a little bit different to what we were just talking about, but what kind of changed my whole mindset and everything is after my first year, when I lost all that weight and I started, uh, I started strength training with a trainer who was with the Diamondbacks for a while, um, he was in the Diamondbacks organization, and then he came and started working privately in a private facility. Um, and so I started working with him, and just the way we approached like strength training and training and everything just changed my mindset, my the way my body felt. Uh, I was more consistent with my velo, little things like that, kind of like opened my eyes and was like, man, for, what have I been doing for the last however many years training wise? Like I wish I would have known this. But uh, that, and then, so I started thinking then, like, okay, when I'm done, I want to be able to give this to athletes who are just in the gym by themselves, you know, just going to some global gym that don't really have an idea of what they're doing. And, you know, it's great that they're out there working hard, but if they were working hard and more efficiently towards what their actual goals are, I mean, they would see a lot better results. If I saw the results that I saw at, 22 23 in one year what would they see in three four five years of high school middle school and high school and that's kind of what changed me and my mindset and then in terms of like throwing all the time and how you're talking about how the how the uh how it was in the mexican league for you i think when i think about like year-round throwing one i think it's per person and then two i always think more right now at least because of who i work with is more how the middle schoolers, high schoolers, these guys that uh, who are a little bit younger don't have to play for a contract tomorrow uh, and are basically still developing. And, de- and that should be like the number one thing they're focused on is having developmental periods where their different goals and different time periods dictate how they're training. Yeah, okay. I, I, see, I, see. I totally agree with that. I totally agree. Um, so do you have – what – what phase are you in right now for what you guys are doing? Are you, are you ramping up going into January and your high school seasons? And yes. then how long does that ramp up period last for you guys? Uh, right now, yeah. Right now it's definitely starting to the ramp up, build up part of the year. And guys are starting to throw more uh, regularly, long toss, and just working on a lot more of that flat ground stuff. And a few of the guys are get, hopping on the mound. Um, I just started to do more of the side. Are you there? No, we're good. We're good. It just it dropped off for a second, but it's okay. Well, you're – yeah, you're good now. All right. What the – uh-oh. I can still hear you, though, so keep going. All right. Uh, so, basically, uh, I mean, I haven't had as much control with the pitching stuff with these guys. Uh 
until just doing more and more uh, in the last six months. So I'm still kind of feeling it out a little bit. Uh, But right now is definitely when guys are starting to throw more. uh, We go out pretty much every other day. We have a long toss day and kind of just building from there. Yeah, that's I I love that. We have uh, this new place that I'm at. We have an awesome field that's like five minutes from the facility and we've been really mixing in some of those days and going to their long toss and then and then doing pull downs after a little eric yeager style and i just it just the feeling just it just feels really good and i you know those building days i'm seeing you know some of these guys that have started with me maybe two months ago are starting to finally see some gains on some stuff and getting some you know high 80s on some pull downs and stuff and starting to move better and do everything so that's my debate about it because i do hear everybody say that that they need a downtime and stuff like that but personally i was able to do it and i know that there's a couple things that happened with me and and my new business partner um he had, he's really been intrigued with this because he came from a weightlifting side of stuff and the non year round throwing thing also. And I just kind of noticed with those guys that threw a hundred and threw 95 and threw all the time and never had arm issues is that they never stopped. Like they never yeah. stopped throwing. And personally, I, you know, I haven't stopped throwing since I got hurt. It's been nine years now, consistently throwing at least long tossing once a week, you know, and, and, I feel fine. And I know I'm, I I don't know if I'm the outlier to the situation or whatever, but a lot of my kids feel the same. So it really, there's a, there's a debate and I'm constantly trying to learn stuff right now. And there's something that's kind of going on where people are talking about, you know, where the, the word blend is really big right now. And your body doesn't know if you're in season or out of season. And I like that understanding because when I felt the best and I was throwing hard, I was still lifting heavy, even though it was in season, controlling right. when I was doing it. But, you know, I was, I would deadlift 350, 400 on like a Monday and then Tuesday or Wednesday still be able to come in and get a save and just be blowing nine fives, nine fours out there and still feel good. And then yeah. be like, is this sustainable? And then every week I'm going through it and still feeling good and kind of confused at the information that I was told to what I'm doing and feeling. And so to me, the general to the whole thing comes up with, you know, just when you throw, does your arm hurt? Which I think that's a very simple thing to ask, but I don't think a lot of people are honest with it. Is that something that you agree with, with what you're doing too? No, absolutely. In terms of, uh, if someone's arm hurts or doesn't hurt? Yeah, I mean, just general throwing motion because that's a lot of the stuff that I do because I try to teach guys to throw correctly first. I Absolutely. feel like if you can throw, you can throw. And yeah. there's no difference in pitching and throwing. So I see a big, you know, disconnect in the honesty situation, you know? No, absolutely. I think two things. One, I see there are guys who aren't completely honest with it about how their arm is feeling. Or two they think like uh, pain and let's say like the bicep or elbow or maybe the front of the shoulder is normal because they always have it after they throw. They're like, oh, it's just, oh, that's, that's normal. It's not really affecting me. But in reality, if we're moving right, we're throwing right, they shouldn't have those pains, in, especially in those places. Uh, and so it's getting that across to them that, it's not normal. It's not regular. You sh- you shouldn't be having that pain. 
but I do, I, I get both of those. So it's either they're not honest or no, it's normal. It's fine. I'm fine. But really there's some, there's some mechanical breakdown somewhere that's causing you to have that pain in those places where it shouldn't, shouldn't be normal. Yeah, I agree. So let me ask you this, cause this is something also on building on top of that. Um, I hear a lot of people talk about strength, right? And with that strength, um, I hear this phrase and I just want to throw it out to you. Maybe you've, maybe you've heard it, maybe you haven't, but you know, in the pitching world and in the rehab world, strength cures all. That's kind of a general thing. Is that something you agree or disagree with? I would say, well, I say in general, I think it does. I mean, obviously it gets a little more complicated, but I think of like a general rule of thumb, if we're strong enough, our bodies, I would say, I would say movement is the biggest thing. And within that strength, as long as you're moving well and you're strong, you're going to put your body in a good position to, uh, to be healthy. Uh, within that, is everybody going to have that same, is that going to work for everybody? No, but I think it's, it's a general rule of thumb or a good place to start is get strong, put the body in a position to, to move well. And I think you're going to put yourself in a good position to perform. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, cool, man. So tell everybody where you're at. How can they find you? You know, where, you know, hit up the IG, you know, all the oh, good yeah. stuff. Yeah. Uh, Instagram, Rosie's training, uh, Facebook, just Matt Rosignol. And then uh, that's about it. Any what's the questions? name? What's the name of the place at, that you're at? Uh, it's Rosie's training. It's my own. It's my own place. So I don't share with anybody. Uh, just me. Yeah. Gotcha. Right on. Cool, man. Well, you got any other questions for me? I I think that's yeah. I mean, uh, no, I, I definitely definitely okay. covered it all. I like it was right on. A lot of, it was a lot of fun. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, no problem. No problem. So I appreciate it, man. Um, if you guys got anything else, shoot him a DM. He's super cool. I'm sure he's got a question. If anybody's in the Bay Area and looking for a guy to go train and start throwing, this is the guy right here. You know, maybe one day we can hook up, link up. I mean, I've never been to the Bay Area, but, you know, I'd love to do a clinic or something up there. Maybe come, come up out. there and we can do some cool stuff. So I'll uh, we'll check with that off air afterwards. So don't go anywhere and we'll see what we can figure out. But Guys, don't forget, please subscribe to this video or this channel. I'm pumping stuff all over here. If you want to learn how to throw any of my pitches, I got how to throw my cutter, slider, curve, change, two seam, everything on there. Um, and I try to – you hear the verbiage and the cues on what I'm trying to do with those things. So, you know, I think the cutter is probably one of the easiest and most deadly pitches to throw, and I don't know, understand why not everybody throws it. Like, I think it's that easy. So, um, But that's just me, um, hence the cutter nation. So – um, don't forget also go check out uh, body armor or brain armor, excuse me, with their focus fix and their omega threes. And then we got our can nutrition guys over here with the protein and the creatine. And then don't forget to go check out, get yourself some swag on my store, um, working on new hoodies, new hats, new stuff all the time. So I'm a little bit of a gear whore like the rest of us college baseball players because everybody loves Christmas in August and January. But if you don't get that joke unless you played college baseball. So <laughs> you know what I mean? So absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well thanks again, bud. I appreciate it. And uh guys, one more thing. Don't forget, throw hard.